Welcome back to episode 15 of the Living Room Chat podcast. Ryan Bloomfield here, Matt Barrell there. How are you doing, Matt? All good, mate. Nice to be back. Another yeah. episode of the pod. Absolutely. Thursday recording today rather than the Friday. Yeah, mixing up. Throwing me all out of sync. I know. My usual routine. I know. Yeah. I've got a take on tomorrow and it's like, needs to be done. Needs nice. to be on the market for the weekend. So uh, a seller who's just like, wants it on the market No, it's a, it, to be fair, it's a mate of mine. Oh, okay. And it's empty. And he's yeah. like, I just need it sold straight away. And I was like, I feel like I kind of need to pull do a good job for him basically those so, are great though aren't they when the seller's just like it's empty i want it on the market and sold straight away it literally was yeah nothing makes me happier than getting yeah absolutely so i said because lauren was lauren's just been away so we couldn't do it yesterday or today mm. so i was like cool we'll do it friday morning straight after my networking and i can and then i've got saturday i haven't got any appointments in the moment so i can just edit everything and get it up and running straight away that's the plan cool cool sorry about throwing you out of sync but what's new with you anyway since we last met? How's things? How's the world of Matt Barrell's estate agency? Well, so estate agency world is okay. Got some sales, got two coming on the market today, which has been fun getting those ready. And I'm turning 30 at the end of the month. So yeah, I'm, shit, it's not far off, is it? I'm feeling all like reflective and, you know, it's just, it's a milestone. So I'm just. It is a milestone, but nothing, I suppose nothing changes, but then. It does, my mindset changed a little bit at 30, to be I fair. I feel myself changing. Not changing, but I feel quite ready for it. And the last couple of birthdays, because I've been thinking about the next year before I get to it, mm-hmm. I've been thinking about turning 30 a lot, so actually turning 30 doesn't... It's not, the, it's, not the, it's not a big change, to be fair. No. It's just another year old, another year wiser. But at some point it changes, doesn't it? I remember being really excited about turning 18. Yeah. And then at some point you go from being excited about birthdays to dreading birthdays. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I don't really care about them to be honest with you. It's just another year. Well, when you get to like, I'll be thirty-three this year. Will I be thirty-three? Yeah, I'll be thirty-three at the end of this year. Yeah. And it's like until you get to like thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Again, you don't need to worry about turning forty for five, six years. So yeah. they kind of like about five, six birthdays where I just don't really care. Yeah, and just you. enjoy it. Live yeah. in the moment, as they say. There you go. It's good you got a couple of sales because I know you want to get all your sales done. Yeah. Too many properties under offer before you go away because obviously yeah. we're going um, America again. California. California. Yeah. When do you fly out then? Like on 20- my birthday. On your birthday. On my birthday. Which is the thirtieth of March. Yeah. Nice. No, that shit. Well remembered. Yeah. Um, and California is eight hours behind us. I fly on my birthday, so I get like bonus hours of my birthday because I'll be on the plane going back in time. Although you're not really. All you can do is sit there watching a film. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to be very strategic because I'm hiring a car on the other side. Yeah. So I like to have a drink on the plane. I'm not a great flyer. Right. So I like to have a few whiskeys to kind of settle me down. Yeah. But you can't because you need to hire a car. But I can't because I'm hiring a car on the other side. But I think if I have the airport beers, a couple of whiskeys as soon as I get onto the flight, set me up for a nice sleep. (laughs) By the time I get out of the other How long's the flight? 10 hours? It's like 10 or 11 hours, yeah. Yeah, what's the what's the rule? Twelve hours bottles of throttle, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, apparently like twelve hours is just about the limit where you if you drink and then stop and don't drink for another twelve hours, you should be fine to drive. Twelve hours. Yeah. Yeah. So a few on the airport, set me off to sleep on the plane. Just be careful. By the time I've got out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Bit risky actually putting this out. Out yeah, in the public yeah, yeah. Domain. But I definitely I'll think, be sensible people. I, I definitely think, think they co- yeah, there's some coppers in America, California. Um, <laughs> What are they called? Um, Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol, yeah. Oh, that's that guy who does a podcast. He's got 27 listeners. He's definitely drinking. He said he was going to drink. 
on the plane and now he's drunk. I'll be all right. I'll, yeah. I'll be very sensible driving as well. I think. Cool. Good yeah. stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Well, that must be quite exciting though. Yeah, looking forward to it. Have you ever driven in a foreign country? I don't, do you know what? I don't think I have. I, no, I haven't. No. I haven't. I mean, I, I've driven motorbikes and dirt bikes in America, but it's not really you have to be on a different side there you're still on the... yeah yeah but no I'm not, we didn't go, on, didn't go on the road it was just on the land ah okay so yeah. um, did that for a you know, couple of holidays but yeah I've never actually driven on the road or had official I was only like 15 at times so oh okay it's a bit different yeah I've, I've done it before and it's um, it's the weirdest thing is just being on the actual other side of a car rather than being on the other side of a road yeah that because, makes sense because all the traffic you know you're rarely on a road where there's no traffic at all so you're kind of following the traffic anyway. Yeah. It's just being on the other side of a car that's a weird bit. Yeah. No, makes but sense. I'll, You'll work it out. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'm sure like within a day or so of doing it, it'd be a bit worrying to start and then you'd be like just yeah. plain sailing yeah. from there. So anyway, that's what's going on with me. Awesome. How's um, how's tricks for you? Yeah, it's just, it's been a bit of a weird month to be fair. We've we've had a few, mm. we've had some valuations booking, which is great news. got a couple that are ready to come on the market, but not just yet yeah so i've got okay. two or three kind of like really close to coming on but one as i said listing a house in bracknell tomorrow which is cool three bed no chain which would be nice um hopefully have another one next week as well mm. sales has been a bit again i think with lack of lack of properties coming to the market for us yeah means lack of sales happening sure and we're fine pipeline still taking us through nicely but just always need more it's, it's strange, isn't it? Thinking about what's happening tomorrow and also what's going to happen in three or four months That's with the, thing. the, with the It's all well and good having, I mean, uh, the money's in the bank, which is cool, rather than the pipeline. That's cool. But the pipeline, <laughs> yeah. that's where you want it. Yeah. But the pipeline's drip, dropping down, dropping down. And because I'm not replenishing it as quickly as I'm exchanging them, yeah, you know, that's, that's been, I think this year so far that we've exchanged or completed on six properties so far and sold seven, I think, something like that. Okay. But then yeah. I've had a couple of fall throughs. It's just not quite where it needs to be. Yeah, it's just trying um, to match it all up. But it's cool because obviously it's, it's a, a reflective time for us because we're coming up to a year in the business, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. interesting looking back on how much we've made or, or, or how I would say it, how, much, the, how little I've made compared to what I did my, first, my last year of High Street Estate Agency. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But the bigger picture is look, I look at my life now and how much more chilled I am, how much everything yeah. is just nicer. Don't get me wrong, the stresses and the ups and downs, we've talked about it a lot, they are, you know, debilitating. You know, when you get a bad situation and those little things just take you down to a, a horrible place. Yeah. But then again, would I flip it back to going back, working 12-hour days, working Saturdays? Probably not, to be fair. Yeah, it's certainly for me, it's reframed the whole how I look at not only me here and now and the job I'm doing, but what job do I want to be doing in yeah. five, 10, 20 years? Yeah, you know? yeah, agreed, agreed. And that's the thing, like look at what you what we achieved this first year from a standing start mm. to hopefully what we do in year two compared to year three, like it, it, it's a journey, isn't it? Yeah. I think while year three, like we should be turning over, you know, 100 grand comfortably. Yeah. And then you're fine. Like, you don't need to worry about anything else there. Mm. And that, that's all I want to get to, just that stage. And now is, like, the hard bit, almost, trying yeah. to establish yourself. And The second year, like, we've got through the first year, ultimately. That's, that's yeah. the key. Any new business to get through the first year, I think, is good. Um, and still got a roof over our heads. The mortgage, we've still paid. So that's all, that's <laughs> all that matters, really, isn't it? So. What I've found happening to me is my, my sites, my 
like you, I just wanted to get through the first year, mm. whatever that meant, whatever that looked like, just get through it. Mm -hmm. And I, I have done quite comfortably. And But I'm now around people who, you know, like you're more experienced, you're, you're doing more, like other partners are doing more, and mm -hmm. it makes me want to push do yourself. More, yeah. Which um, is just a really good environment to be in. Yeah. I, I met with my accountant the other day and it, for my end of year accounts. He goes, mm -hmm. why haven't you spent any money? I was like, because <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just trying to survive my first year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, we, we've been quite good with that as well, to be fair, although our outgoings are quite high. We've talked about that before in the pod, yeah. but um, actually money in the bank at the moment, pipeline, we've still got another sort of four or five months where we're, we're absolutely fine. Yeah. My goal at the start of the year was always have six months worth of bills yeah. in the business account. So... I know that it's just it's there, the safety net's there. But you're just always constantly thinking about the next thing, aren't you? So Yeah, I've found working on commission only, the months have never gone faster. No, no <laughs> agreed, yeah. You know when you're employed and you're waiting for the next paycheck, it feel feel like ages away. Yeah. But I think I think the biggest thing I've learned over this last we weren't gonna talk about reflection in last year, but I feel like it's just come yeah, up in conversation, yeah, yeah. isn't it? Biggest thing I've learned is those little knocks you get, like they do mass that massively affect me mm. and I just need to learn how to snap out of them quickly which I think I've done I can be really down one day mm. and like right fucking grow up go to the gym yeah. go ride my bike yeah do whatever I want to do just get out of it and I come back refreshed and I start again and the next couple of days are better yeah um it's that quick reaction things that didn't affect me on the high street like I bought had an email from a from this lady that wants to come on the market she, we're trying to organise photos and she sent me an email saying I'll oh, change your plan I'll let you know when you can do photos and that was it and that really affected me because instantly I thought oh, she's going on with another agent yeah. or she's not going to use us yeah. when really like, and I'm just maybe reading too much into it I do that though I think I think as well because we work in a new way mm. the average public or maybe even our own clients they don't understand how invested we are Emotionally and financially. Yeah, yeah. you mate, spot on. You're um, spot on. You know, and, and like, I almost don't want to overdo the point because, like, I don't want to appear desperate. I yeah. don't want to, like, overdo it, you yeah. know? Um, but I want people after they work with me to be like, wow, Matt really did put everything into that, yeah. you know? I think that's key. I think that's key. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, interesting. interesting. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about it over the next uh, yeah. few weeks as we as we lead up to uh, the official yeah, yeah because 30th of March is officially my that's my one year that's when I launched cool when I come back then we'll do, we'll a, a, good, we'll good, do a one year one year an reflection an, an, yeah reflection analyst what we're going to achieve in the next year yeah well I um, moving on I wanted to just touch quickly on um, your phone conversation I couldn't help over here a yes. minute ago yeah, right. yeah. now I won't mention specifics but um it sounded like you were talking to a potential client yep. who had, had who had an unsold house mm -hmm. and I heard the words the other agents had charged under one percent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other yeah. agents, plural. Yeah. Yeah. Um we I think both quite openly say we charge more than yeah, 1%. and proud proud to charge a little bit more as well. Um and it sounded like someone had been on the market with more than one yeah agent, so the scenario is she's been this lady just phoned me mm. uh, out of the blue I've never spoke to her before and that was the first time I spoke to her and oh, that okay. call came in literally yeah. been recommended to me by someone who I've just sold and complete an exchange on their house yeah recommended she's been on with one agent didn't sell she then went on with a new agent still hasn't sold she asked me what my fees were on the call and normally I like 
I'm not nothing to hide. No. Um, so I said the fee that we normally, no, that's what we normally charge. Yeah. How much is how much you have for the market? And, she, and straight away, she well, both uh, both the other agents are charging less than that. Mm. I was like, okay, cool. Well, let's just like I've literally spoke to you for five minutes. Okay. Um, let's just chill. Let me come and see you. Tell you everything we do, uh, all the marketing we do, and the service we offer. And if you don't think it's worth what I'm willing to, like what I'm suggesting, then that's cool. You can we can have a little chat and negotiate, and we'll come to an arrangement. Three things will happen: you'll either agree, you won't agree, and you'll you won't use me, or we'll have to book another appointment to discuss it again. Like yeah. they're the only three options that can happen. Um, so, but it's it's funny we talked about it before. People get so hung up on fees at the start, it and it's really it's irrelevant. It's so it's just such the wrong thing to focus on. And I you know when someone calls you and one of their first questions is how much do you charge? Yeah. Fixating on yeah. what am I gonna pay? Because people think I'm gonna sell my house, I'm gonna have this pot of money, and I wanna pay as little of that out as possible. And that's just not how it works no. at all. I, I often use the analogy, if you wanted to get an extension in your house and you call three builders mm. and say, I wanna get a double store extension in the back of my house how much is it going to cost? And the builder's going to go, builder one's going to go, well, obviously I need to come and work it out, what materials, what standard, what do you want, pitch roof, whatever it may be. Yeah. No one's going to ever be able to say exactly how much it costs because they've got materials, they've got time, they don't know your structure, whatever it may be. And it's exactly the same for estate agents, just you're not spending hundreds of thousands of pounds, but it's no. exactly the same for estate agents. No one charges the same because you don't know what marketing we do, the services we offer, how quickly we're going to be able to sell it. So how can you possibly know what you're asking? You're yeah. just asking a fee because that's what you think you need to ask when really you're just asking a stupid question. Listen to what you've got to say, have, have the agents out, take on board all their points, what they do, and at that, that point, then you can say, well, they're charging 2%, they're charging 1%. I don't see any difference in what they're offering from yeah. what they've said, then I'm going to go with 1% agent. Yeah. That's cool. The 2% agent didn't do good enough. But to base your whole idea and um, position to extract an agent based purely on their fee is a bit stupid. Especially after having two failed attempts. Yeah. You know, because I, I don't know the scenario of this set or what the asking price was. But if you're not sold after being on the market with two agents yeah. and you're nickeling and diming over half a percent. Yeah. If someone had offered you half a percent off the asking price, yeah. most sellers are going to take that, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Especially if you've been on the well, market. I used one of my favourite lines. You heard, didn't you? Um, I said, well, that's cool that the other agents have, have charged you uh, less than 1%, but what, what's the best offer they've got? Or how much do they sell your house for? Well, they haven't sold my house. Cool. So actually, they've charged you zero. Yeah. So if I charge you more and get your house sold and get you moved, is that worth it? And she went, well, yeah, of course it is, but it needs to be the right price. No, no, no. Is it worth it? Yeah. Yes, it is. So you can pay them nothing to sell the house, but you can pay them 10% to sell the house. If they don't sell it, it's irrelevant. Yeah. You could pay me one and a quarter, one and a half, 1.75, and if I get it sold, is that a good investment? There you go. I almost think there needs to be more. There, there needs to, the bar needs to be raised in terms of fees. Mm. So that, because I, I think what happens now is people call free agents out. Yeah. And there's a range from like half percent to 1.5%. Yeah. Whereas if there was a range from like half percent to 3%, the average homeowner would have to like understand a yeah. bit more of the difference. But it is difficult because obviously it's down to the person in the room 
the yeah. valuer, the person who's actually selling the business, how good they are is going to determine how much they can get. Because if yeah. they are, if they turn up late, no comparables, are there 20 minutes, just don't get on well with the client mm. and try and charge 2%, it's never going to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, this is the problem. You've got good agents going out when they know what they're talking about and they're nice people and they generally do care and they're charging 1% including VAT. They're doing themselves a disservice. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. But why are they doing that? Is it because they're so worried about losing the business and getting whipped by their manager? Or is that just the way they've been taught? Mm -hmm. It yes. doesn't make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense. It is a race. It's a race. It's been a race to the bottom for a long time. Yeah. And um, I was talking to another partner yesterday about this, actually, at one of our training sessions. And he was like, it doesn't matter if you lose business because of the fee. Like, if he, he said he's listed a house at 800 grand at 1.5%, mm. and the other agent was you know, charging half a percent to do it. He said, that's cool. If I lost it and that other agent took it, they've got to sell three of those houses to make the same money back that I would do to tell one of them. So I, yeah. I can afford to lose two, give a better service to that one customer for a better price, and they're then going to recommend me because of the amazing service I do. Yeah. And, that, and the other agents are just going to have more work for less money and going to get stressed. Yeah, and What's be the running point? around. Yeah, What's absolutely, the point? absolutely. So, so fees got to go up, and yeah. and I really enjoy looking after sellers now in a way that I couldn't really do the same way before. Yeah. Like one of the sales I agreed last week, my seller needs to sell it. Needs to sell it. We got an offer. And she was like, "Yeah, just take it." Yeah. I was like. I was like Let's negotiate. Yeah, yeah. We've got an offer. Chill. Let's yeah, negotiate. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to lose the offer. I was like, we're not going to lose the offer. Yeah. Worst case, we can go back to this. Yeah. You know, just like that, I've got an extra couple of grand. But that makes a difference. That, you know, I've paid for myself there. Mm. And, you know, I'm not just going to jump on social media and brag about it. Look how amazing I am. But, like, yeah. in those ways, that's what that makes a difference. It certainly does. You know? Yeah. And I think all the whole, I think the way I look at it now is fees. And price to a certain extent is irrelevant. Like, am I giving the best possible service to this client? Because mm. if I am, then naturally things should fall into place. And if they don't, I know I can hold my head high and say, I've done everything I should have done, been the best estate agent I possibly can for this client. Yeah. What else can we do? Yeah. And it's up yeah, to them absolutely. if they want to make a decision from there. So, you know, we, and I'll, you know, if something's overpriced, we can't. Yeah, we're not it's magicians. Overpriced, it's overpriced, isn't it? Yeah. At the end of the day, end of the day. Anyway, um, with the day after the budget that came out yesterday, um, should we talk about all the stuff related to property in the budget? Yeah. Okay. Ne next, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, literally wasn't even mentioned one single thing. No. But I don't know if but, that's necessarily an issue. Um, there's been lots over the last couple of budgets with stamp duty and um, I think the last budget they, they stopped stamp duty for first time buyers up to a certain level didn't they cut that's the bottom it. tier off yeah that's it so they've done a lot for it but I, I do kind of feel like they missed an opportunity again because they want to talk about the growing the economy and getting things back to where it was again and property always seems to be one of those biggest things yeah. to do it it instigates people's moves and that when people move into house, they have to, you know, instruct electricians and builders or buy more furniture, and it helps with growing the economy. I yeah, I definitely agree. But I, I I think the outlook though is positive for property, even though it wasn't mentioned. Because I think if you look at what was mentioned, you know, we're not going to be as we're not going into recession by the looks of it. No, we're going to encourage getting back to work and increasing productivity. Yeah. Um, and and then the knock-on effect for housing 
will be that actually prices don't go down no and we kind of stay we don't we don't really i personally don't want anything to happen to house prices over the next year i don't want it to go up i don't want it to go down i just want a level playing field yeah where we can just get a bit of stability back before the next surge in prices because it always happens like yeah. a massive rise level off on a dip and then a massive rise again yeah and that will probably come in two years time i reckon i think we've got a year of chilling I think there'll be a bit of stalemate between buyers and sellers. Yeah. Sellers are going to want their 2021 prices. Buyers are going to still be talking about, are they going to drop further? Yeah. But I think for the rest of this year, largely things are going to just truck along and stay much the same. I do think, I mean, motivated sellers, there's, it doesn't matter what market they're in, if you've got a motivated seller, they'll always be, they'll always find a buyer. Yeah. Like getting yeah. that price spot on. And, yeah. you know, we talked about the other one, that um, one I sold in Thailand that had... 90 plus inquiries and, yeah. tw- and you're 22 offers yeah like price it correctly the buyers are there i can guarantee our buyers coming from everywhere it goes to show doesn't it i mean we i know we touched on it before but i had the same when i put a parcel of land on the market no planning permission just a yeah. parcel of land a really attractive price I, my phone was just ringing yeah. off the hook i had 100 inquiries in 24 hours yeah and there so there's there's always people looking Absolutely, yeah. So I think the market is going to stay relatively stable. Mortgage rates seem to be every single week we get an email from our from the the company broker mm. saying that yeah, there's better deals out again. This is happening. That's happening. Obviously, the new norm is going to be three and a half, four percent, but that's only based on the last couple of years. It was it was above that before anyway. Yeah. So yeah. it's just people getting used to it. Yeah. So I think even though there's nothing mentioned in the budget, I don't think it's negative for property no um you know we're probably not going to get any blessings like the stamp duty holiday a few years ago well that was crazy wasn't it because the market was already on its way up and then they added fuel to that already burning fire and that's what was that catalyst those huge price rises yeah it's crazy yeah and also the the good news though i mean where we're based in the southeast of england actually you look at the overall uk market and it's very Mm -hmm level if not slightly dropping but this is a really important thing for people to think about don't when you see the headlines in the paper or read an article on writing with whatever it may be yeah you've got to remember that is uk based so it is to all extents irrelevant Mm. because you've just got to focus on your micro area if you're looking to move and sell within reading just look at what's happening in reading if you're looking at moving from berkshire to surrey just look at what's happening in Berkshire and in Surrey. It doesn't matter what's happening in Birmingham no. or further. I can't think of anywhere further ahead. Yeah, you know I mean, no, don't was, you? yeah, absolutely. It was like in COVID, you had Wales saw the biggest increases, London yeah. saw the biggest decreases. Yeah, you know, totally no different. Shit, yeah, because people were moving out of the city because they wanted they were working from home and they wanted to live in the country. You can yeah. see why it would happen. Yeah, so absolutely. that's probably the biggest biggest takeaway from buyers at the moment. Don't get caught up of what you read in the papers and in the news because it is pretty much irrelevant just look at your local market 100 percent. and one of the reasons i think reading in particular is very very stable is look at the rental market yeah i've had a few dealings with the rental market recently and things are just flying Crazy, you know any property has you know 10 people lining up to rent it mm-hmm. and i think as if conditions are like that how can prices drop yeah because if if they drop a little bit there are there's the invested demand yeah to buy those up knowing there's 10 people waiting to rent yeah it's funny with with tenants because i mean i I was i was only a tenant for a short space of time before i brought somewhere Mm. didn't get caught in that trap yeah but some of those you know people paying like three bed 
detached houses paying seventeen hundred and fifty pound a month yeah. on a uh, on rental. Yeah. How can they possibly save enough to get a deposit to buy somewhere? They almost you know people talk about getting trapped in rentals. That is. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely is. And I, me and my brother actually bought off our yeah. landlord. Yeah. Um, but we were paying rent and trying to save at the same time. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's really difficult, which um, actually segues nicely into a um, something I saw that yeah. one of the developers is doing, which is a scheme kind of similar to Help to Buy, but it's called Rent to Buy. Right. Okay. So the premise of it is, is that you pay a 1% deposit on the property. Yeah. So 300 grand property, 3,000 pounds yeah. deposit. You exchange contracts yeah. immediately. And then you pay rent on the property. Yeah. But that rent goes towards your deposit. Okay. So it's not, it's not rent, but yeah. you are... But kind of is. You're living in the property. Yeah. And then you're... That's paying payments towards your deposit. So you make so let's say you're paying twelve fifty a month rental. That's actually, that's actually just going saving into the deposit. Into the and deposit. what do what the developers are taking a cut for their like costs? Yeah. So you they, might pay, you might pay twelve fifty in, but five hundred towards the rent of seven fifty going your deposit. I think it all went to the deposit. Oh, okay, that's but cool. Perhaps you know, I imagine with a the developer they inflate the price in the first place. Yeah, you know. Um, they got to make some money somewhere, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. But I thought it was quite an interesting scheme. It Obviously, is. as how to buy is kind of being phased out, I thought, well, could something like that yeah. work? It'll be, it must be something they could do like that because it helps the developers get the get their properties off their books effectively. Yeah. They've got income coming in. So if they do that for, if they're making, let's say, £500 rent on 50 units, you mm. know, that's, you know, what's that, 25 grand? I'm really yeah. sure maths. Yeah, I can't do those quick maths. <laughs> All right, they're yeah. making thousands of pounds each month just just from nothing. Yeah. And at the same time, that buyer is building their deposit up. So imagine once they get to a five or ten percent deposit, they can then apply for a mortgage and properly buy it off the. Yeah. So I think I think the mortgage, the affordability, had to be pre-approved up front. Right. And then the contracts were exchanged, and then there was a. I think it was 12 or 24 months of, of rental payments mm-hmm. until you had either 5 or 10% equity. I can't remember what it yeah. was. But anyway, the premise of it is, is you can move into a property and then pay to build up your deposit. Fine. It's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. I, I, think it's, I think it solves the problem we were talking about, about being stuck in a rental trap. Yeah. I also think with a lot of new builds, people move in and then quite quickly decide it's not right. Yeah. So what happens if you move in and you've got a, you know... You yeah, no, yeah, exactly that. And I don't know about you, a lot of new builds, I always see, like, they're always the divorce files, aren't they? People buy new builds, they always get divorced or leave each other. Like, been there two years, separating. Okay. Yeah. Like, always. always. Like, not always, it's, it, but... It's very, very common. Yeah. And, and I always find as well, buyers move from new build to new build. Like, there's a certain buyer that buys a new build. Yeah. Like, they'll true. sell their house as five years old to buy another new build. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, Do you know what I mean, I, it's that similar kind of profile of person, isn't it? I've never been particularly fond of new builds. Me neither. I just feel like they're obviously mostly overlooked. It was one thing which has always put me off, but more to the point that you're very susceptible to market trends. You know, yeah. you buy an older house that's got, they've all been changed over 60, 70 years. You can extend, you can do different things. They're all a bit unique over the mm. time. Like my house here, which is built in the 70s, is pretty much diff- very different to next door 
Yeah. We've blocked doors up. There's been extensions made, different variations. Although mm. it's from the outside, exactly the same house. New builds, you just don't get that variation. No, and you generally get more land with an older house. Yeah. You, it's more, there's more parking with an older house. Yeah. You know, you're quite restricted with a new build. Yeah. But then again, you get so what I love and what I really, my, my brother's actually got one of these, but a small development. So he brought, he lives in a place called Fetchham, just outside, between Leatherhead and Cobham. Right. Quite a nice area. And there was two detached bungalows that were demolished and they built three sets of semis, so six houses. Yeah. All bespoke, but obviously they all look the same, but brand new builds. Yeah. And they're just very unique. So they all they are new builds technically, but they're not on a massive estate. They're on a private road, which is really nice. And it's just, mm. that'd be the dream. That's the perfect sort of property. Well, those smaller developers, they care more by default, don't yeah. they, about the finished product? Yeah. You know, because if you've only got six houses to inspect, yeah, you're going to make sure they're all done properly. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. We all know with, with new houses, or yeah. I thought with new houses, when you buy a new house, you move in and everything will be perfect. Yeah. No, <laughs> not at all. You move in, you've got mud, mud out the back garden because there's no lawn. Yeah, you've got skirting hanging off. Yeah. Got, this doesn't work, that doesn't work. This yeah. hasn't been finished up yeah. properly. Um, there's that guy on, uh, I think he's on Instagram, that he goes done, does the assessments of the snagging. That's it. Professional yeah, snagging yeah, yeah. And some of the things he sees and puts on there. Oh my God, it's dreadful. And people wouldn't even know. They'd buy these houses, they wouldn't know. Because you buy them off plan, you get the brochure, you get the service in the sales office and then yeah. everyone's lovely to you. And it's, uh, yeah. Some people, I remember selling a new build in Winnish because um, we were working with the new build company and I, oh, yeah. I sold it from our office. And I went and I, went, I did go down to do the purchaser visit with the, they already exchanged obviously months before. Yeah. When they, they was nearly ready and they just wanted to have a look at the plot. I was like, oh, I'll come down and meet him, no problem at all. And met them at the entrance. I was like, oh, would you need to drive around to the property? Because oh, I thought the property was there. I was like, no, no, that's the show home. Yours is like, what do you mean it's? No. I was like, yeah, that's, that's the show. You're not buying that house. That's the show home. Like yours is all the way over the other side of the development. You, surely you know this, don't How you? How could you not know that? And they were, they were, they were, it doesn't matter where they're from, but it was Ger they were German. Right. They just didn't quite get the understanding. Oh, shit. So I was like, cool. So I took them to the house and they were like, the, it's North Facing Garden. I was like, yeah, like this is the plot you brought. This is the house. It looks the same. It's just a different part of the thing. Uh, and it was, yeah, they were, they weren't happy. They weren't happy. And I was like, cool. instruction to sell it. Yeah, no, <laughs> funny enough, we did. And it all went to shit. So basically it was sold with two parking spaces at the front. Right. It's in um, Hatchwood Mill, which is in Winnash. Yeah. And there's a whole road there where the two, par the two parking spaces at the front are actually legally attached to the property your title starts at the front door and all of it's owned by the development, it's bad. So you can, so then you couldn't sell it with two parking spaces. You just got no parking. Unofficially, people park there, that's your spaces. No one has yeah, to park yeah. there. Anyone can park there anytime. And that's a problem in new builds. There's so many dodgy things that happen. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. And you know those unofficial kind of arrangements? Yeah. Which exist everywhere you look. Yeah. But when it comes time to sell, yeah. It's such a nervous moment, isn't it? Where absolutely, you know, I've got a property at the moment with a shared driveway. Yeah. And in practice, you know, both neighbours are very friendly and yeah. amenable. But what happens when another neighbour moves in? All of a sudden, you put that situation under a microscope, and yeah. immediately you kind of go to the worst case scenario. There we go. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, that's uh, that's about half an hour, is it? Yeah. 
That's good. We covered of, a few bits off there. Bit of agency chat. Bit of agency chat indeed. I think what we need to do is we need to get a few questions in from people. Um, yeah. And just sort of take because I think the the route we want to go obviously with the podcast is is be more estate agency minded because that's mm. obviously what we do, adding our personalities in. I think we should get a couple of segments though, maybe still been what you've been watching because I always used to love to do that. <laughs> yeah. I've started well, while I we're chatting. Watch enough. Yeah, I watched this. Start watching it. You know, like I've told you about Drive to Survive, the Formula One thing. Oh yeah, they do one for golf. It's called <laughs> Full Swing. I don't like golf. And my my mate said watch it. I was like, okay, I will. Started watching last night. I watched four hours in a row. <laughs> it's brilliant. Again, it's, it's exactly Netflix. Yeah, exactly yeah. same. Goes back behind the, the the background of the golfers. These guys, they live like the life, man. Yeah, I can. There's one guy. Um, he's, he was world number one for a few years. Chef last year. Scheffler, I think his surname is Scheffler. Anyway, he won five tournaments in a month and a half, winning like two million quid each time. Wow. So. He won like ten million pounds or whatever it was in the space of about two months. Jeez! And then won the and won the US uh, PGA Tour, PGA Championship, which is one of the majors. Well, Netflix know how to make a sexy. They do, and, it, and it, it's, they've got the really they've got a really good undertow. Like the golfers, you think they're like these like prim and proper professionals, and they're not. They're really not. Really. But they fly private jets everywhere. Yeah. Like. There's two. There's two mates, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, who are big, big, famous golfers. Right. And they fly to a golf course in a private jet, forty minutes away, to do a couple of rounds and then fly back. That's mad. It's madness, isn't it? That's, yeah. But fair play. Yeah. They're all. I've never seen any. All the things they're always flying. All of them in private jets everywhere. You got to be making. Well, even if you come, money. even if you come like thirty, if you still win like hundred grand. Oh really? Yeah. Because when you said about within two million, two million, I was like, surely that's like a best case. No, no, no. Yeah, like I think someone came, one person came tied sixth, won $434,000, something like that, to come sixth. I mean, don't get me wrong, you have to do well to come sixth. Yeah. And it's a, yeah. It's a long, and you, yeah, obviously they've got, to pay, they've got to pay their, I imagine, entrance fees, caddies, you know, all the people behind yeah. the scenes, nutritionists, um, gym people. What's the gym? What am I trying to say? Gym people, personal trainers, that's what I was after. So yeah. I imagine they would spend a lot of money out if they haven't really touched on that. But even so, there's um, they made a really good point. Someone could be, you know, have loads and loads of top ten finishes, make fifty million pounds over their career, and won't be remembered because they didn't win a major. Right. Yeah. So, well, so like, I'll, he... I'll, I'll happily take a load of top tens and fifty million quid. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Well, the only golfer I know is Tiger Woods. But then, yeah, mental. But then that's... Me- mega money he is. That's less because of his golf. Well, I know a few now. Profile. I knew a few anyway. Because I have watched... I watched um, the Open Championship last year. Because it was Roy McIlroy. And there's another guy with a really shit haircut and a shit beard. Don't know his name. And they were like fighting out for the end. Right. Yeah. Anyway, boring anyway. stuff. That's a good thing cool. to watch though. Worth a little watch. I'll put it on the list. And... <laughs> <laughs> We Download will. it all for your fit for your um, for your flight over to California. I could do actually a perfect yeah. time to watch it. Although well, you wouldn't be able to sleep off your alcohol though. Yeah, we'll see. We'll cool. See. Anyway, anyway, let's come back next week. Yeah. Thanks everyone for watching. Find us on social medias linked below. We'll see you again next week. Cheers, guys. See you soon.